Hey, good morning. I like what Matt prayed, you know. Sometimes we've got to leave this stuff. Put it aside. At least put it aside for an hour and a half, right? And just kind of decompress and let see what God wants to do, right? And see what God wants to say to us. Because it's not an easy life, is it? It gets, gets kind of complicated and uh, overwhelming, I think, at times. So that's why we kind of have to focus in and, and on... on what God wants to say to us and, and uh, hear his voice. Let's open our Bibles to the, to the little book of Jude, the little letter of Jude. I, uh, I don't know, I had a good time looking at the story of Jude and his family and the family of Jesus, the half you know, Jude and James being half-brothers of Jesus. It's just kind of this family kind of thing. Maybe think about, you know, our families and maybe hopefully you, you, you kind of entered into that a little bit, you know, with your family, whether it was good or whether it was bad, but yet God had something else uh, planned. God had something bigger. It was a big family that, that James and Jude and Jesus grew up in, and it wasn't always good. You know, they, they kind of persecuted him in a way, uh, they didn't trust him. They didn't believe in him until really after the resurrection, the death, the cross, and the resurrection, and everything changed. Well, we already know that as believers. We know that the whole world, the whole universe was changed at the cross and the resurrection. You know, it, uh, it, it, you know the marking of our time uh, is changed by the cross and the resurrection. And so... You know, what, what changes your life? It's not just the fact that Jesus was here, but the fact that he came and that he gave his life for us and that he rose from the dead. It's like, after he rose from the dead, they said, wow, we got to get on board here. We, 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 have, to, we have to serve him. And, he, and Jude calls himself a servant. So once they understood and once they came face to face with, with the truth of who Jesus is at that time, it, their lives were, were radically changed. And I think it's still true today. That's still happening today for people who's, who's, who have come face to face with Jesus. Your life will, will change. It has to. It has to. So they joined this bigger family, and uh, I called it God's forever family. And it was, you know, they had their family, but it was a bigger family. And, and Jesus always talked about the Father and you know, the, the, the family of God and that. Uh, I want to talk, let's start with this first. And I have trouble with these things. You know what those are? Oh, man. That's, that's kind of cute, but it's almost kind of scary. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about triplets today because, you know, for reasons you'll see in a minute, but this, this idea of triplets, you know, it comes in poetry, right? You get three lines of poetry. You get uh, just groups of three or, or even in families like this, triplets. Again, I don't know what you do. How do you deal with that? To be honest with you, you get help, yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of help. But for me, I think that when I hear the word triplet, I, I think of the musical term triplets. 
And, and, it, and in music, those of you who study music know it's, it's kind of spelled like this with a little three on top of it. And, and what it is, it's, it's three notes that are played in the place of two. Now, I, I would demonstrate that for you, but it would be really ridiculous. So um, you're just going to have to take my word for it. How many of you know what a triplet is musically? Some of you already know that. So, but, but it sounds really good. And, and musically, it, they use it a lot. It's been around forever, of course. But in popular music today, use it a lot because it, it makes the music more interesting. It kind of gives the music, you know, a, a sense of momentum. It keeps it kind of moving. And it, it also helps people to remember these things. The normal is like two, you know, four, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And that, they, they figure that's because we have two feet and that's kind of how we walk. Just one, two, you know, hearts beat, da-da, da-da. You know, that kind of thing. So what in the world does that have to do with what I'm going to talk about today? You're all going like, this guy, he's lost it, I'm sure. And, and uh, we better start a search committee uh, to try to find someone who can take his place. Some of you are going, yeah, yeah let's start that conversation. I've already started the conversation about 10 years ago. So it's not moving along very fast, just so you know. But it is a conversation that we're having, just so you know, because I can't be here forever. I, some of you heard there's a pastor in Rhode Island. He passed away a week ago. And he had a, he had a heart, open heart surgery like I did five years ago. And then they, uh, about a month before, and, and they went, you know, they had to do something and go back in, and he didn't, he didn't make it. He didn't survive. So you just don't know, but... <clears throat> I'm not trying to freak you out or anything. Well, maybe I am, just to see, just to see a reaction. Can we get on subject here? Okay. Jude. Here in Jude, it, it starts out, he starts out in Jude with two triplets. Two. Not just one, but two. And here they are, called, loved, and kept, and mercy, peace, and love. Called, loved, and kept. Let's read it. Let's start in verses 1 and 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. In verse 2, mercy Peace and love be yours in abundance, or it would be multiplied. So we see right from the very start, he's got these three things happening, three things he wants to, to, to put into their minds. And again, it, it creates this sense of momentum. It, it's something that you and I can grab a hold of. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, you know the, uh, the three-point sermon, right? And I think there's a reason for that. Now, I don't typically do three-point sermons, but uh, I, I think there's a reason that developed what it was for people to, to latch on to. And, and, but, but I think, too, now, I don't expect and I don't, I don't think it's true that, that people remember everything that you teach. And just because you do a three-point sermon, you're going to remember everything because you go to a church and they do three-point sermons every single week and you don't remember all those. 
But I think it helps the guy who's teaching, I think it helps the pastor to kind of formulate the idea, put it, put it together and bring it out in some, some sane uh, fashion. And, and so, so, so that's true. And I don't expect you to remember these, but, but if you're going to remember anything, remember what the Bible is pointing out. And these, these two triplets here are what's in the Bible. Uh, we talked uh, a number of weeks back in, in uh, 2 John. Uh, he starts off with a triplet there. Can anybody remember what it was in his greeting? Second, this is Second John. It's quite a while ago now. Anybody remember? I bet Jim remembers. Starts with a G. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. Here he, he, he switches it up a little bit here, uh, uh, Jude does. Anyway, so the first set of triplets. We're going to start with those and, and see how, how, we, how we do here. The first set, he, he says, it's to those who are called, loved, and kept. In other words, uh, he's talking to believers. He's writing to believers. And, and we need to understand, you know, when you read somebody, you got to know, like, who is he writing to? Why is he writing this? What is, what is he going to talk about? And, and so he's writing to believers. This is not an evangelistic letter. Now, when you read, you know, different, you know, like in the Gospel of John, he says these things are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing you would have life in his name. We've written these things so that you would believe in Jesus. This particular letter, he's saying, listen, I'm writing these things to believers who are called, they're loved, they're kept, you know, if, so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to know that he's writing this to you. He's writing it to me. And I, and I really believe if we know these things about the fact that God has called us, the fact that God has, he loves us, the fact that he is keeping or preserving us, it, 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 changes, it changes us. And I think it helps us to fight the good fight because we know whose we are. We know whose we are because it is a battle. I've been, already been talking about it. So let's, let's break it down. Let's, and and I, I put these scriptures up here. And again, I don't expect you to turn to every single one of them, but, but you, at least you know where they are. And, and I will read them to you. There's a few that I'm going to have you turn to. But the first one here, he, he talks about being called. And that's kind of a biblical term, right? We say called, oh, you know, uh, you know, my mom called me. Well, what did she call you? No. My mom called me on the phone. But this is something else. This is the call of God. This is something that is bigger than, than you and I uh, you know, can imagine in this life. Uh, Matthew Henry said it means to be called out of the world to higher and better things. Called to heaven, things unseen and eternal. This is the calling of God. And, and again, I, and I got these passages I want to read to you, and I want you to see, to get this picture. This is a, what a believer has been called to, and, and what does that actually entail? The first one I'm going to read is in, in Romans chapter 1. It says, you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I love that. That's what I said. You know whose you are. This is the calling of God, that you belong to Him. 
You were his. And James, who grew up with him, and, he, and he's going like, uh, who are you? And then all of a sudden he says, now I'm, I'm his servant. I belong to him. Paul said it. Paul, I read the story of Paul, you know, in the, in the, in the book of Acts uh, a few days ago. And you, and you find out, you know, he was persecuting those who believed in Jesus Christ. He was having them killed. He was putting them in prison. And, and he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And what happened? He was transformed. And now Paul is writing this in Romans. He says, you're called to those who are called to belong to Jesus. He was having those who believed in Jesus killed. And now he said, I belong to him. First Thessalonians 2, it says, he says, Paul says, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So he calls us to belong to him, but he also calls us into his kingdom and into his glory. This is the calling that Jude is talking about here. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's this massive thing here. Peter says it. He says in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. There it is again. Peter says the same thing. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He, he has called you, he's called me as a believer, he's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. This family of God is a, is a brilliant, bright, you know, the family we may be a part of may be full of darkness, I know mine was, but he called me out of it into a family of light. Wonderful light. Second Thessalonians, he says, we, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he called you to these things that, that I've just said, but he, he, he did it. How did it happen? He called us through the gospel. You heard this story, this gospel, the good news that Jesus died for you, that he rose from the dead, and, and you need to put your trust in him and surrender to him and give your whole life to him. And through that, it says he calls us to share in the glory, into the kingdom, and out of the darkness to belong to him. That's pretty radical, really. See, you could just take that one word called and go, he called me. But it's so much bigger than that. He, he called you to, a, to an incredible life. Paul said in 2 Timothy, he saved us and called us to a holy life. He's called us to a holy life. So not only has he called us to, to belong to him, but he's called us to a different kind of life. A holy life, a, a life that is uh, full of light and life. He says it's not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Now we start to get into some kind of deep water here, don't we? When did this all start? 
Oh, it started the day I walked in that church in San Diego and you know, I, wa- I went in there and somebody told me about it and, and that's where it all started. But the Bible says it started way, way before that. Before the foundation of the world. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 1, he says that we, that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Wait? What? Like... How did that, how does that happen? How did that possibly work? Well, let me throw some more uh, fuel on the fire here. This is a good fire, by the way. In, in Romans chapter 8, he says, And we know that in all things, what? God works for the good of those who love him, who've been, who have been called according to what? His purpose, the purpose of God, God's purpose. But then it goes on and he says this, verse 29, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, this whole thing of calling, you know, this this is like, this is something that God has done. And it's it's part of the bigger plan of God. People talk about, you know, God's sovereign call. People talk about, you know, God's effectual call, his effectual calling, his, his sovereignty, his his divine prerogative, his, his election. And, and these are all, you know, biblical terms. And, and we find it in the scripture that God had something. He started it way back before the foundation of earth. Now, now, we look at it and we say, but I thought I chose him. You know, I heard about Jesus and I said, OK, I choose you. We thought it was all about me and, what, and my choice and what I wanted and everything like that. And then, we, and then we find out that God was in, in charge of the whole thing. Now, do we understand that all? Somebody pictured it like this, and I, and I, I still remember this. You know, the, the gates into the, the pearly gates of heaven. And on one side, the side we're on, it says, whosoever will. Whosoever will want to, whosoever receives, whosoever believes, enter in. And then you get on the other side and you look back and it says, you know, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And you go, wow, this is something that God has done. So how does this all work together? You know, we have God's call and then we have our response to the call, right? We have the, the, the sovereign hand of God working in a person's life, and then we have the the responsibility of of man. How does that all work together? Well, I want to tell you right now that I certainly don't have all the answers to this. Warren Wiersbe, who I I quote him often, I really respect him, I just love that guy. But listen, let me tell you what he says about this, because I think it, it helps to put it in perspective. He says, certainly... Certainly, starts with this, certainly salvation begins in the heart of God and not in the will of man. He started it. It all started with him. And then he goes on to say this, the mysteries of God's electing grace are beyond us in this life. 
and will never be understood until we enter His glorious presence. Until we get there, we're not really going to understand this. He says, for that reason, we are wise not to make them the basis for arguments and divisions. And he quotes Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. I believe this, and I, and, and I, and I was taught that Chuck taught it as well, that uh, Pastor Chuck taught it, you know, that both are true. Both are biblical. How do we reconcile them? We don't necessarily do that in our own understanding. But I always, I always think, you know what, let God do what God does and let me do what I'm supposed to do. Let, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, God, he's got his own responsibility. I have my own responsibility. I need to do what I need to do. And let him work out all those details, how those things all fit together. There are a lot of things in this word, in this book, this scripture here that we do not understand. Why? Because, it's, because God is an infinite God. And we, if you think that you're going to understand it all, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. I've been, in, I've been in those arguments, though. I've been in those divisions. And you've got your hyper-Calvinists over here and your, your hyper-Arminians over here. And, and they're, you know, they're going back and forth and they're throwing out the Scripture this way and that way. And, and what does it accomplish? I think, you know, I think... If anything, we should have an awe of the fact that God has done an incredible work in our lives. Do we understand it all? No. I absolutely believe, though, and, and I read, you know, I read a guy like Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a definite Calvinist, but Spurgeon had a heart for evangelism. If you read his writings, he says, you know what? You need to accept Jesus. You need to trust in Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility to let people know you, you, need to, you need to surrender to Jesus. That's the bottom line. Worry, you know, if you're going to worry about it, well, did God call me? Check, Pastor Check said, you know, do you, you want to know, did God call me? Did God call you? He says, well, trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Give your whole life to him and you will find out. <laughs> and I think that's true. That's our responsibility. That's, that's what we are called to look at and to, to understand. But check this out. I want to put this one up on the, on the screen for you because this is one of my favorite uh, passages. Peter says, but may the God of... i got to move that thing over, huh? Let me go over here. I can read that. But may the God of all grace who called us, there's that word, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a little while. It, another translation says, He Himself will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. That's, this is a powerful verse, people, for, for us. God has called us. God has called us to His eternal glory. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to face suffering in this life. But he says it's for a while. It's, it's short. Compared to, compared to eternity, it's just a blink of an eye, the suffering that you and I face. But he says he himself will perfect you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you and he will settle you. I like that. He will settle you. How many of you are unsettled today? Don't raise your hands because I don't want to know. No, I do know. But... 
He will settle you. He will do it because you're one of His. You belong to Him. You're called. He, he's called you to Himself. Man, we're just on number one, huh? I don't know if we're going to make it. I'm going to have to have part two next week, I think. He has done it, and He will continue it. I think, I think the truth of the matter is that our trust has got to be in Him and not in ourselves. Our trust has got to be in Him and not in ourselves. Number two, maybe we will make it. Let's move along. Number two, there it is. He says there, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, who are loved by God the Father. Again, Jude grew up in the family with Jesus, and now he's telling us that, that he's, he's part of a bigger family, that we have a Father in heaven. I know that's, that's one of the things that, that really transformed my whole understanding is when I understood that I had a Father in heaven who loved me, who, who was there for me, who would show me how to be a father, who would show me you know, how to live, how to survive. He says here, you, know, you are loved by God the Father. You are loved by Him. We know John 3.16, God so loved the world. His motivation is love. Agape love. He loves you. I mean, we know the children's song and, and uh, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's so simple, but, but I think sometimes we forget. We kind of lose sight of it. But God loves you. I, I want to just say it on his behalf. He loves you. Put your name in there. You're loved by God the Father. And, 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 you know, the father, the love of a father for his child, there's nothing like it. The, uh, there's a, a current song out now called um, Getting Started by, by Jeremy Camp. Let me just read uh, one part of the song. It says this. If you only knew the treasure that you really are, if you could understand the measure of the father's heart, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Fall in his arms and let him wash you clean. He'll tear off the chains so that you can be free. A new life begins and the old is redeemed, oh, I believe. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. It's like, that's a triplet there. That song actually, if you listen to it, has a lot of musical triplets in it as well. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. Paul Paul talks about this a lot too. Again, this guy who, uh, this guy Paul was full of hate, really. He was a total legalist and he was full of hate for those who would believe in this, uh, this Jesus, the Christ. They called him the Christ, the Messiah. And he had hate for them and he, and he wanted them, you know, done away with. And, and, and again, his story is when he got transformed, there was love in, in his life, in his heart that... that uh, was never there before. Romans chapter 8, it says, Paul says, in all these things, some of the trials and troubles that he was facing, he says, in all these things, we are more, what? Than conquerors. 
He didn't just stop there, though. He said, more than conquerors, what? Through him who loved us. There's something about fighting battles and knowing the love of God in our lives and getting through because of God loves me. The enemy, man, I hate the devil. Because what does he say? What does he whisper? He says, God doesn't really love you. Look at you. Look what you just did. Look what you did 10 years ago. Look what you did, you know, 20, 50 years ago, whatever it is. Is that what God's saying to you? No. This is what God's saying right here. These are the words we need to believe in and, and, and remember that you are loved by God the Father and His love never stops no matter what. You are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Paul goes on to say, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That pretty much is everything, right? He could have just said everything, but he wanted to make it really powerful. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will ever be able to separate that from you if you are one of His. He said it, you're one of the called, you're one of His. And His love will, will never be taken away from you. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he said, All in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you. At the end of the letter, he, he, Jude talks about it again. He says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I was thinking about that. How do you, how do you keep yourself in God's love? How do you do that? I think you just have to kind of meditate and, and know what the Word of God says and, and, and think about it and, and, you know, believe what God says rather than what the world says, than what the enemy says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This is, again, something that we can do, some part of our responsibility. Are we, do, we, do we listen to, you know, the worldly music more than we listen to the, the spiritual music? Do we listen to the world more than we listen to what God's Word says? There, there's a big difference. What do we fill our minds and hearts with? Keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. He is coming. And the third triplet here in this first set of three triplets is here. Help me out there. Maybe we need to get a new clicker. I think, there we go. He says that we're kept by Jesus Christ. It can also mean in Jesus Christ or for Jesus Christ. But the word means, the word means to preserve, to uh, take care of, to guard. So he says to those of you who have been called you know, to belong to him, to his kingdom, his glory, who are loved by the God, God the Father, and you're also kept by Jesus Christ. He's taking care of, he's guarding you, he's keeping his eye upon you. That's something that, 
that we don't think about. Well, we're just living our lives, but, but God has got his, his eye upon you. He's taking care of you. He's, he, he, he's, go, he's going to bring you to his kingdom and, and to his glory. Someone said this, that he who holds the whole universe together will see that God's children are kept in the faith and that they reach their internal, eternal inheritance. He's going to get you there. He is going to get you there. Are you going to get yourself there? That's, that's what we think. That's the, the, the biggest mistake. I, I'm going to get myself there if I really work hard, if I really do a lot of stuff. Now, we do have to do some things. I just told you a few, to be in the word and, and that kind of thing. We need to, to, to be a disciple, a follower. But in the end, we have to know that God is the one that's going to get you there. He who began a good work in you, what does it say? He is faithful to complete it. Peter said this, that we're kept by the power of God. Through faith, we trust. We trust in Him. We look to Him, but it's the power of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and who will do it? He will do it. When you think about that, he says, Your whole spirit, soul, and body kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you do that? Could you possibly do that? I'm going I'm to keep my whole spirit, soul, and body blameless. So that when Jesus comes, he's going to go, wow, you, you really did a good job. I'm really proud of you, son. I think the sooner we realize that we have to surrender and, and submit and, and let him do that work, he says he's faithful. He's going to do it. He is faithful. I was thinking in my mind... Uh, about the faithfulness of God. And I was thinking, you know, all these, these words we can put, put before, you know, the incredible faithfulness of God. And then I thought, you know, the precise faithfulness of God. It's is precise. The incredible, the unbelievable faithfulness of God, the, the never-ending faithfulness of God. He is faithful. He's going to do it. If there's one thing I know after being a believer for, for over 40 years is that God is faithful. And I, I can't necessarily always say that about myself. The truth is that when we're unfaithful, the scripture says that God will always be faithful because he has to be. He can't deny himself. Another favorite verse, Paul says for the for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that I am able. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He is able. He, he is going to do it. He is the one who will do it. I want you to look down at the end of the chapter. We're going to get, we're going to get there eventually, but <clears throat> it's really a doxology, and some say this, is, this might be the most incredible doxology in all of Scripture. Verses 24 and 25. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jude says, To him 
who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. There's a triplet right there at the end. I don't know if you see it. Before all ages, now, and forevermore. It's all about him. Jude kind of came to that place where he realized, you know what, I can't. I can't. Who am I? What can I do? What can I do? Let's look at the second set of scriptures. i got a couple more minutes here, and I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on any, anyways because I spent a whole message on grace, mercy, and peace with, in, in uh, 2 John. But Jude, verse 2, he says, in the second set of triplets, he said, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. That's something John didn't say. Uh, Jude says, These things be yours in abundance. May they be yours. May they be multiplied. He wants to see them multiplied in your lives. Mercy, peace, and love. This mercy of God that, that we're not getting what we deserve. It's mercy. It's God's mercy. And His mercies are new what? Every morning, every morning. Get up today, a new batch. The peace that we have, the peace with God, and the peace of God. You know, the war is over. We're not at war with Him anymore. We were. We certainly were. We were at war with God. And, and you know, the, the, the majority of the world, they are at war with God. But we've, we've, we've surrendered. We say, no, I, 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 I surrender to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and the war's over. That's why we have peace. That's how we can have peace. And when we stop striving in our own flesh to do it, then that's another way to get the peace, the peace of God. And the last one that we've already talked about is the love of God. And, and he says, may these things be ours in abundance Matthew Henry, in his, <clears throat> and Matthew Henry was a pastor as well as a teacher. He wasn't just a guy who wrote commentaries. These were his, his messages that, that, was, that were written down. <clears throat> but he says this. He said, Jude prays that, he, he prays that these may be multiplied, that Christians may not be content with scraps and narrow scantlings of them but may be full of them. That's what he says. Are we just going to like settle for just the, you know, just the little scraps of the mercy and the peace and the love that God wants to give us? No, Jude, Jude is saying, you know, we, we want these, we want to be full of these. We want them to be multiplied in our, in our lives. And, and, I, and I think that's, that's, a heart, that's a good heart to have. God, I want everything that you have for me. I want it all. That's a, that's a heart of submission and surrender where we just say, God, I, I just want everything that you want for me. That's a prayer, you know, that, that you and I, we pray. It's a personal, it's a personal thing between me and God, between you and God. Peter says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance, the same word, through the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus, our, our Lord. 
through knowing Him, we can, we can have those things. Believers, He says, you, are, you have been called. You are loved by God the Father and you are being protected, kept, preserved by Him. That's you if you belong to Him, if you're one of His. If not, hey, I say it to you like I said earlier, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and surrender to Him and, and you'll find what he, what he will and can do for you. And it's, and it's eternal. It's eternal forever and ever. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and, and it, it certainly does challenge us. And, we, and there's so much that, that I don't understand that I can't, uh, I can't put it all together, but, but I know that you have it all together and you, you have an eternal, incredible purpose for my life, for, for all those who would, who would call upon the name of, of, of Jesus and be saved Become one in the, in the family of God, the God's forever family. And, and in that family, we're safe. We're not, nobody can snatch us out of your hand. Nobody can take away what we have. If we truly belong to Jesus Christ and, 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 and each, each one of you, you know whether you truly are his or not. If you don't know, you need to get on your knees before him and tell him, Hey, I don't know if I am. I, I, just wanna, I just want to know you. I want to have you in my life. I want to be yours. And I tell you what, he will prove himself to you. So dear God, I pray for each one of us that our faith would grow, that our understanding would grow, that our, our fellowship with you, our, our communion with you would grow, that, that it would it would be apparent to others around us that something's going on in that guy and that girl. Like they said in the book of Acts, they took note that they had been with Jesus. It just showed. Jesus, I want to thank you for all you've done for me. Oh, and all you're going to do, it's... Ages past, now, and forevermore. It's, uh, this is just, just the beginning, like Jeremy Camp saying. It's only the beginning. It's just, it's just getting started. Pray you'd encourage us, Lord. Encourage your people. In this life, it's full of suffering, but you will perfect us. You will establish us, make us stable. You will strengthen us and you will settle us. We sang earlier, Lord, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.